Hey, and welcome to episode 16 of Stops and Starts, a women's hockey podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Glavin. Episode 16, that's an exciting one for me as it is my hockey number and for no other reason. But still, nonetheless, I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself that I've put out 16 little recordings of, you know, my thoughts on women's hockey. So here we go, episode 16. On today's episode, I want to talk about the PHF and their old faux transparency, which kind of came up in the past week or two. The PW and a report from Marissa and Jemmy that they're going to debut a new league. A new podcast called The Noxie and Cax Show, which is on the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. A little bit about the All-Star Game for the PHF and, of course, the Olympics. If there's time, maybe some college or completely just tangent stuff at the end, but we shall see. So let's talk about the PHF and transparency first. A couple of weeks ago, the PHF announced that they were going to have a $25 million um, investment from their board of governors um, over the next three years. Uh, and that was great news, and a lot of it was going to go to salaries. But it invited questions about the salary cap, meaning um, obvious questions that you knew were going to come up. Um, are there minimums? What's the structure? Um, what is everybody getting paid because nobody knows? Are you guys being, uh, are you paying to the cap right now? Um, the salary cap of 300K. And um, there was a lot of uh, demurring, I would say, uh, when Ty Tumania was asked about it. You know, she kind of gave a non answer, you know, about are there minimums um, that people have to get paid? And I think her non answer, I interpreted it as being there is no minimum. Um, and then uh, later, later on, um, Victory Press did some, some work where they talked to John Boynton about, you know, can we disclose salaries and, and what are people actually getting paid? And he said, you know, it's the position of the PHF right now that salaries are not to be disclosed. And I don't think that makes them like evil or anything. And I'm not going to shred the PHF, but I think just that lack of transparency is... Um, it wasn't a good look, right? It's especially for a league that's supposed to be all about empowerment and considering it's such an obscure market. Like for example, myself, I work in finance. I don't think I'm technically supposed to be running around telling my peers what I work, what I can, what I make. Uh, but the reality is we can all go online and easily know what the market rate is for what each of us does. Um, but it's not quite so clear cut in the women's hockey world. Cause guess what? There's only one pro league in North America that's paying wages. Uh, so you would think that um, a fair thing to do or a empowering thing to do or a fair labor practice might be to, to put some structure into your uh, salary cap or to say, yeah, you guys can disclose your salaries or even better yet, we will disclose them. Um, and then even more so than that, I just feel like it, would, it gives um, more structure to the league. And again, it makes it so much easier to be a fan or to cover the league. It creates content. Um, and I don't know why the league would be shy about disclosing the salaries, particularly if they truly have no problems spending to the cap. So I've read that they do spend to their cap, their current 300k cap on each team. And Tyler Tuminia has said that general managers have, um, full reign to spend the full cap. So I guess it's just like, I don't understand why it needs to be a secret if, they're spending to their cap, which is going to be an impressive for women's sports standards, 700K next year. So um, so that was kind of like the first little hiccup, I think, on transparency. And then the second one was just late last week. 
Alex Sinatra, executive director of the PHF Players Association, was let go, which was fine. I don't really have a comment on, on that one way or another, except that it did bring up the question of who who pays for her, uh, who pays for the, that role. Uh, it was something I had wondered earlier for a different reason, um, because when they announced her hiring, I was like, oh, they hired an attorney. Um, that's probably pricey, and the ladies probably don't make enough money to really, like, to pay that, you know? So at the, I was like, I wonder if the league pays for her. And if so, you know, that's that's kind of odd that they pay for somebody who represents the players, but whatever. Um, but then when she was let go, I think it invited a new question of, well, why was she let go? And, and it brought up that question again of, well, who pays for the PHF executive director? Because if it's being paid for by the league, then does the league have, you know, too much control over somebody who is supposed to represent the players? So... I mean, none of that, none of those things are to me reasons to like um, shred the PHF, but they're just examples of like, oh, they kind of um, had some, uh, they stepped into some criticism or left themselves open to criticism regarding transparency um, in the last week or two. Um, And it is what it is, and they'll keep on going. Um, But it was definitely definitely interesting to, to realize, ah, oh, like there's actually a lot of people wondering about this, you know, cause I, I also used to wonder about the, the salary caps and, and thinking, geez, how do you, how do you negotiate a salary coming out of college for a market that is so obscure? Um, anyway, now that, so that was one set of news last week. The other news was the PWHPA. This one threw me for a loop. Uh, Marissa and Jemmy reported late in the week that the PWHPA has plans to debut a new league in the fall. And my initial reaction was, I think, sadness and also what the heck. Again, it's just transparency and communication of what your vision is. Um, Because... And I'm being patient. We're doing the Olympics. We're so close. So close. To getting through the Olympics and then maybe getting a resolution on this whole some clarity on this question of where women's hockey is going next but for myself once we heard that the NHL they stated it clear as day they're like we're not going to get involved at this time um with the women's league and then the PWHPA even responded and was like yeah we they, they acknowledged that the NHL said that they're not going to be involved with the new league um Ever since that time, I was like, okay, they've been saying that the NHL is the only way. And if the NHL is no longer an option, in my mind, I was like, well, maybe they'll reconcile with the PHF. Um, particularly because when they issued their statement in back in 2019, explaining that they were going to sit out for a year, they said that they wanted a single, single, single North American League. They also wanted a viable league and they also wanted healthcare. Um, and so, and you know, I think it kind of came out after that that their vision for a single league would include getting funding from the NHL. So, you know, if the NHL has excused themselves and say, nope, we want nothing to do with this, then in my mind, if, if it, like, is being in a single league no longer important, is I guess the question that comes to mind. And I just think the PWHPA will have some explaining to do if they come back and start another new league and we are stuck with two leagues again because they 
and I don't have the answers, right? Like maybe they know stuff and it's not being communicated as to why they're going with perhaps a new league. Maybe there's some plan to fold one into the other for one to support the other. Who knows? The nature of this podcast is that I'm just a fan. I'm an outsider, so I can only wonder things. I would never want to say that what I'm saying is fact or what I'm saying is the right way, the only way. Um, But I'm just saying that as a fan who consumes the news reports, when I read that the PWHPA is thinking about making a new league, I was like, what? Because all these Olympians, they came out of the Olympics four years ago tweeting one league. And they were saying, they were acting as though it was a failure of leadership of the C-dub and the N-dub to not have these guys united under one league. And they would say, oh, we, we don't have issue with each other. Us players, we're all friends. Um, the media and um, leadership are kind of, you know, acting as though there's this beef, but there's no beef. And, and you're like, you take people at their word. You're like, okay, you guys want one league. Okay. But then when one week before the 2022 Olympics occurs, a new report that comes out that says, oh, by the way, the P-Dub is going to debut a new league next year. And you're like, okay, we're back to two leagues. I don't know. I, I wasn't like, oh, yay, this is great news. I was like, what on earth? Um, so maybe it's just top secret, but maybe total conjecture maybe like did they get the nhl did the nhl have a change of heart is the nhl gonna back this new league um i would encourage anyone who's listening if you haven't read the article it's a marissa and jemmy article for the seattle times um and i mean it was quite something to read it she was saying you know sources have said that they've been told by um pw management that the pw will be debuting a new league in the fall and then she goes on to say and some people stopped answering questions when I basically continued asking questions about this topic or they wouldn't talk about it or whatever so it was it was kind of gave me a chuckle but just sort of a general like p-dub you've done great things and people have been super the p-dub has done just amazing things I completely understood why they why they sat out But if they announce after the Olympics that they're debuting a new league and they don't have either NHL teams or the NHL as the support to make it viable or they don't somehow communicate how the investors that they have are differently going to make it viable from what the PHF has, I don't know. I I just don't think that that'll... Everything smooths over over time, but I think the initial reaction to that is going to be just a tough one, tough pill to swallow, that we're back to two freaking leagues. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we shall see what happens there. I guess I find myself hoping that they manage to convince some NHL teams to get on board. Alrighty, so that was that was the P-Dub news last week. The other P-Dub news last week was uh, really exciting and like everything that women's hockey needs, which is more coverage and also fantastic coverage and positive and happy coverage, which is um, a new podcast called The Noxie and Cack Show. Um, I give credit to the Steve Dangle podcast network for recognizing that we need a a women's hockey podcast out there in episode one of this podcast I said that I didn't want to roll into the Olympics with there being no women's hockey podcasts out there a lot of the mainstream podcasts actually I shouldn't say a lot um specifically um 
I would say 32 Thoughts and the Jeff Merrick Show, they cover women's hockey pretty well. Um, I would say at least once a week there's a women's hockey guest or every two weeks. Um, and there's also knowledgeable conversation about what's going on and respectful conversation. But other than that, there's really not women's hockey um, talk on mainstream podcasts. Um, and four years ago, there was a podcast called the Ice Gardens Podcast. What the heck was it called? Top Shelf. And it was, it was, it was good. And it was a really good starting point for, for women's hockey. And it certainly um, inspired me. And I listened to it and enjoyed listening to it. Um, but that podcast is no longer going. Um, and I, if you ask me what the, the women's hockey podcasts are that are on mainstream right now, like I really don't have a great answer. I, I don't know of any mainstream women's hockey podcasts that talk women's hockey. Um, and so I always felt like, Hey, if I, at the very least throw my voice out there, put it on Instagram, um, that's one person. And I don't claim to be good or anything. Uh, I don't, I mean, my podcast is just a little audio recording. We need so much better than what I'm doing. But I felt like at the very least, if I throw my voice out there, at least there will be one voice when we roll into the Olympics talking about women's hockey. Um, a true women's hockey fan who knows everything about the game, the way you would expect um, a women's hockey podcast to be, okay? Versus just like, you know, those podcasts where they like have somebody on and it's just clear that the, the, the person, they just don't know the women's hockey game and they have to almost speak to a different audience or cover it from an, a completely different angle, like an introductory angle. Um, so I was, that's a lot of words to say how thrilled I was that um, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network, I find that so hard to say, um, is debuting a show called Noxie and Cax. Uh, Liz Knox and Carol Emard are the hosts. And then they have, um, they've had one episode so far and they had uh, Jamie Lee Rattray, who is a great hockey player her resume is ridiculous but the newest thing is that she's an olympian they had her on and i think the thing that i would say about the noxie and cack show is that it was uh professional uh first and foremost it was on a big platform i have no doubt that they got thousands and thousands of listens um it was on numerous platforms whereas like as an example um you know when someone just creates a, a podcast they i mean just getting it on one platform as a project, right? Whereas I'm sure those guys, they're on Spotify, they're on Apple, they're on YouTube, you know, it's exactly what you would want for a professional podcast. Um, and then Noxie and Cax, obviously they have um, the hockey knowledge. They're literally CWHL alums. They, um, they're hockey players, but they're professional and they're welcoming. Like you couldn't help but smile listening to their podcast. It is absolutely 100% an example of a women's hockey podcast that needs to be present and part of the media structure that is around the women's hockey game. So we'll see where they go um, with what they do. They had a super fun first episode. Couldn't help but smile listening to it. Um, and it was, and I mean this as a um, compliment, it was almost like it was a show about nothing, yet it was still fun and engaging to listen to. Um, and, and, you know, people always say, like, a best podcast feels like you're just hanging out with your friends. And what do you do when you're with your friends? You just you don't really talk about anything, right? You're just hanging out, having fun. And that's what their podcast was. So very excited to see how that continues to go. 
Um, and just, I think a huge kudos to the Steve Dangle podcast network for recognizing this gaping hole in the podcast world and kind of hitting it out of the park in terms of trying to address it. And it was funny. Like I read the comments on, I think it was YouTube or something. I forget where I was reading people's reaction and people were just like, this was great. Like they're, they're so good for, for being a first podcast episode. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if you followed the old CWHL, like you knew Noxie was, um, you know, she was, she was like clearly beloved by her fellow, um, league mates. She always was gracious with the ice garden in terms of helping them create content. Um, and I think she did like the color commentary for one of the very first PWHPA showcases. And it was just so clear how comfortable and at ease she was behind a microphone Um, so, I mean, when that news came out last week, it was just like, finally. So it's great. I hope we're going to enjoy it over the Olympics. I think it's a 10 week, um, podcast that they're doing. And I hope that she and uh, she and, and Carol Amard, um, who is also just incredibly well-spoken, um, and great hockey player, PETA player. Um, and clearly well regarded by her colleagues in the women's hockey world. I mean, I just hope the two of them, you know, kind of inspire, for starters, entertain us. That's what we want. But also I just hope that they inspire um, other people in women's hockey fandom to share their voice with um, the sport, whether that's just, well, either creating more podcasts or just even being a fan, um, following along and enjoying the game. So I would say the debut of that was probably like one of the biggest highlights of last week in the hockey world, the debut of that Noxie and Cax podcast. Um, And while we're on it, I should also say, you know, my podcast is, I mean, it's very much just an audio recording. And do I ever want to have guests? You know, I do. Of course I do. Will I ever? I have no idea. Um, And there's a whole bunch of reasons for it, but in Some people might say this is not a good reason, but I hope people will understand, you know, my main focus is like my kids, my kids and my job and and then that, that alone. And then after that, of course, my husband fits in there somewhere, you know, um, and it's just when it's just super hard, the idea of incorporating guests and the technology behind it, but you know, maybe one day, I hope so. Um, but what my point is, is that. I thought, you know, guests might be too much for me or a co-host might be too much for me. But I also felt like um, I said to myself, well, are there solo podcasts out there? And one of the people that I thought of was uh, Steve Dangle. And I think he started by just like screaming into YouTube all by himself. So I figure if Steve Dangle can do it, I can do it too. So thank you, Steve Dangle, for the inspiration and the new Noxie and Cax podcast. Okay, God, it feels good to get onto the um, more positive topics, you know, from the PHF transparency and the P-dub, like, back to two leagues thing. Um, so, great stuff with Noxie and Cax. And then I think I'll just finish off on the all-star, um, the all-star event that the PHF had. You know, the Olympics are coming, but also the end of my lunch hour is coming. So, we're pumped for the Olympics. We will be watching. Um... And maybe I can do a podcast after each U.S. and Canada have played one game against their first opponents. But let's just talk PHF All-Star and wrap this up. So the PHF All-Star game was on Sunday night. 
Um, and I'll just tell you what I loved about it. I thought the colorful jerseys were fun. Uh, my son called them the rainbow jerseys. I liked them. I thought the rainbow jerseys were cool. Um, I liked that even though it was in Buffalo, they were still rocking the ones that they would have worn in Canada, as far as I can tell. Like, I couldn't tell from, like, the grids on the streets, but, like, the giant maple leaves were a giveaway, the colorful maple leaves. Um, my son was calling them the rainbow jerseys. He's like, I like the rainbow jerseys. I'm like, yeah, me too. Um, I think that it was a miss, the rest of the jerseys. There wasn't enough contrast. And it was hard enough for the players, I think, when you're on an all-star team and you don't know the people you're playing with, uh, when the jerseys look too similar. Like, that part wasn't good. Um, But I really liked the rainbow jerseys, so the one of the three sets. I loved that Melody Davidson was there and shared her perspective on some things, you know, just a little cameo there. Sammy Joe Small, Megan Chaika. Um, But I really enjoyed always everybody loves Sammy Jo Small um because she's a uniter um and um you know you can't help but feeling positive and uplifted after you listen to her um so it was nice to have her her there and then um they also did um sort of an extended interview with Angela James who's another one like we didn't hear enough from her or even know about her um when she was in her prime in her playing days Um, So it it is really nice to see her as part of the game now, um, right where she belongs with the Toronto program and see footage of her, you know, as they're, you know, doing an interview with her and talking about the T6 and all this. Um, I liked that they have their stuff on ESPN Plus. Now I've talked about this before. It was so nice just to put the game on my television in my living room and then be able to go do my favorite thing, which my family teases me about, which is putter. Um... You know, that's so nice, you know, so sort of like, you know, working in the kitchen, playing in the living room with the kids or whatever while the game is on the TV. Like that is, that is called normalization of the women's hockey game, you know, versus like, oh, I got to find this online. It's on some bizarre website I've never heard of before. I can only watch it on my phone or it's something's glitching out or, oh my God, we're filming through a net. Like that's the crap that we need to leave behind and let's just say this experience of watching it on Sunday, it was just really pleasant. Um, You know, I I was fine with the format, but I don't normally watch a ton of all-star games. I know some people would have liked the skills competition in there. Um, Maybe they'll bring it back next year. They're always playing around with things, keeping it fresh. Um, But uh, I did like the shootout. I have to say that was probably one of my favorite things. Um, And then just some of their players when they eventually got clicking, like it was just fun and, Oh, I have... Okay, here's my highlight. So, honorable mention highlight will be Michaela Grant-Mentis. Just because she's so good. She's always scoring, setting up goals, blah, blah, blah. But mine was Lindsay Eastwood scoring uh, through the five-hole on a breakaway. Was it a break... Was it in the shootout? I can't remember. But she scored a five-hole, which just makes me laugh because I feel like that's always what she does. Uh, That was her third one this season. Um, And I always remember Lindsay Eastwood from the game that Syracuse eliminated Mercy Hurst in the playoffs the year that Syracuse won it all um they had to go through Mercyhurst I think in the semi and Lindsay Eastwood scored a hat trick in that game and it, it was kind of like the game that woke me up to to her as an athlete um and in that game she scored a goal against Mercyhurst a few years ago out of the freaking penalty box uh, she gets on a breakaway scores it's like oh my god well she's already done that twice this year and then 
she did it again in the all-star game again I can't remember if it was the shootout or a regular breakout but like this girl this defender on breakaways scoring five hole it just cracks me up um so yeah those were my my highlights of the PHF all-star game so all right lunch is over the podcast is over thank you for listening um who knows when my next episode will be but the good news is is Noxie and Cax have an episode coming out this week so there will be good stuff to listen to online um talk to you later thanks for listening and enjoy the olympics